0: Good morning. It is a beautiful day to gather and celebrate the goodness of God. All that he has done for us and all that he promises to do for us in Jesus uh, is all the reason we need to get together and lift our voices in praise to him. And uh, today I'm especially thankful for the, the confidence, the hope of eternal life Uh, having had my father just enter into eternity and uh, those promises bring great joy in the midst of grief to know that uh, dad is celebrating in the presence of our savior and uh, you know if you don't know that you you hear the hope of eternal life the way we use hope sometimes it sounds like well gee i hope it happens that's not the biblical meaning of hope the biblical meaning of hope is confidence because of what we know is true because of what Jesus accomplished. And if you're here this morning, you don't have the hope of eternal life. Maybe you're feeling young and strong and it's a beautiful day and and uh, death seems like a, a remote, morbid topic. Uh, let me just assure you, um, that will change. Uh, you will face it. And uh, the only way to face it with joy and hope is to know Jesus Christ. If you don't know him today, I just want to encourage you to, Pray and ask him to uh, help you get to know him and to trust him. And uh, I want to encourage you today, too, to be praying for our friends at some of you across the street. Uh, they're experiencing a time of grief and joy. It's a bittersweet thing when uh, those who know Jesus go into his presence, but uh, they've had a significant loss over there. Uh, so pray for them as well as we, uh, as we worship. Uh, We celebrate, especially this weekend, uh, our freedoms that we enjoy as Americans. And those of us who do know Jesus, uh, we celebrate a far greater freedom that we have. All these freedoms that Jesus gives us, freedom from death, freedom from despair, freedom from condemnation, judgment. And uh, today we're going to be thinking particularly about the freedom Jesus offers us from anxiety. I was reading um, something written by a veteran of our armed services. Um, He had served for years uh, in the 82nd Airborne Division, which if you know about that, those... Those are the guys who intentionally jump out of perfectly good airplanes. (laughs) And um, he was serving as a sergeant in the Airborne, and he writes about a time when they were going out on an excursion of nighttime parachute jumping. And he says, On this particular time, I was seated next to a second lieutenant, fresh out of jump school. He was quiet and looked a bit pale so I struck up a conversation with him. Scared, Lieutenant? I asked. No, he replied, I'm just a bit apprehensive. So I asked him, well, what's the difference? Well, Sergeant, he said, apprehensive means I'm scared with a college education. <laughs> a little apprehension can actually be a very good thing. It can keep us from doing some really stupid stuff. Uh, But there's another form of fear that isn't very good at all, because it keeps us from living the way Jesus intends for us to live. And that's called anxiety, or that's one of the words we use for worrying. Jesus has some things to say about it, and what he has to say about it is both extremely challenging and wonderfully liberating, if we will take what he says to heart. And live it out. So let's take a look. We are continuing through the Sermon on the Mount. We are now in Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25. So if you want to take out a Bible, take out the note sheet that's in your folder. Matthew 6, beginning at verse 25, Jesus says this Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. I just want to point out as we, as we begin to unpack this that Jesus is not saying that every kind of fear or every kind of concern is wrong. If you think about it, God gave us the capacity to feel fear to protect us. It's not wrong to feel afraid when something's happening that you should be afraid of. You know, if you're crossing the street and you see an oncoming semi um, The the fear that you feel is is good because it's saying, get out of the way right now. So that's not wrong. And it's not wrong to feel concerned about things that are genuine problems or real needs because that kind of concern motivates us to do something about it and to take care of those problems and and, uh, address those concerns if we can. Actually, there are some situations where if we're not concerned and we do nothing, it's not a sign of great faith. It means we're just irresponsible. So, you know, if my family's hungry and and uh, I don't have a job and I'm completely unconcerned about it and unmotivated to do a thing about it, well... Um, what do I need to hear? I don't need to hear, hey, relax, don't be anxious. What I need to hear is, would you get busy? Would you pray? Would you do something? Would you get out and look for a job? You know, God provides for the birds, but they still have to go dig those worms out of the ground. He doesn't just drop them into their beak. And here's, a, here's I think, a very interesting uh, passage The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 is talking about some of the really difficult things that he experienced as an apostle of Jesus. And in verse 28, he says this, apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all of the churches, all the ones that he cared for. That's really interesting, because that word anxiety, that's a noun form of the same word that Jesus uses in Matthew 6. Well, Why wasn't Paul's anxiety a sin? Because it was a concern that God wanted him to have. Because it was a concern that came from pursuing God's priorities, from wanting to do God's will, from wanting to seek first his kingdom. Okay, so there are good concerns, or even you could say good anxieties. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. Here, Jesus is talking about this kind of self absorbed, self preoccupied fear that we're going to lack the things that we need. And we worry as if God doesn't exist. That's really the issue here. We worry as if God's not real. We worry as if God's not good. We worry as if God can't handle it. He can't be trusted. Jesus gets right to the heart of it when he labels those who have this kind of anxiety, you of little faith. That means this kind of anxiety is a failure of faith, a failure to believe God, a failure to trust God that he can handle it, that he will handle it. Whatever it is we're anxious about. And we really have to get this. We have to understand this if we're going to fight anxiety carefully. And I just want to insert right here, there are medical conditions that can create these, these anxious feelings that really have nothing to do with faith per se. And if anxiety is an issue you continue to struggle with over and over again, one of the best things you can do is just go get a good checkup and talk to your doctor about it. But moving away from that, when we're talking about this fear that that God's not going to provide or that our needs are not going to be met because God doesn't care, um, the issue is what we believe. That's where the battle lies, what we believe. If you don't realize that, that that's where the battle is, then you might try to fight anxiety by simply trying harder not to be anxious. Let me assure you, that does not work. I speak from experience. All that does, trying to fight anxiety by trying harder not to be anxious, all that does is make you anxious about being anxious when you know you're anxious and you shouldn't be anxious. Notice how Jesus treats this. This is so important. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, Oh, you're worrying? Well, stop it. Just don't worry. Try harder not to worry. Are you feeling anxious? Well, don't feel that way. Just stop it. That's probably the most useless counsel we ever give people who feel anxious. Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't say just stop it. What does he do? He addresses what we believe. He tells us things we should believe. He tells us who God really is. And he tells us who we really are. And he tells us how God really feels about us and he tells us what God really will do for us. This is the issue. He's giving us truth about God for us to believe. That's where the battle is. It's fought, the battle against anxiety is fought by believing better, better things about God. Trusting him more, because he's good, and he's faithful, and he's powerful. Now, you might hear that and say, oh great, now it's completely hopeless for me, because you're a chronic worrier, and you hate it, but you can't seem to help it. And now I'm up here telling you, well, the problem's deeper than simply having a nervous disposition. Uh, the problem is you're lacking faith in God, and that just makes it worse, because now you really have something to worry about. You thought you trusted Jesus. You thought you were a genuine believer, you, 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 but now you're hearing, well, your faith must be a sham, because if you really trusted him, you wouldn't worry. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? Isn't he saying that? If you're really a believer, if you're really a disciple, you won't struggle with anxiety. Isn't that what he's saying? No. No, I don't think that's what he's saying at all. Jesus is not talking to his followers as though they're outside of the family. He's talking to them as though they are members of the family who just need to grow in their understanding, who need to grow in their experience of who God is as their father. When anxiety blurs our vision of God, that doesn't mean we're totally without faith. It may very well just mean that our faith is being attacked. And the issue becomes not that we've experienced anxiety, but what we do with it how we handle it, how we fight it. Look at Psalm 56.3. It says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Notice it doesn't say, I never feel afraid. I'm a believer. Of course I don't feel afraid. No, when I feel afraid, I put my trust in you. Or uh, 1 Peter 5.7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Who's Peter talking to here? He's talking to real Christians. He's talking to people who have genuinely come to that place of putting their trust in Jesus, who've received him into their lives, and yet this verse only makes sense if real believers in Jesus sometimes experience anxiety. And what does Peter do? He doesn't scold them. He doesn't chew them out. He tells them how to deal with it. And notice, how do you deal with it? It involves believing something about God. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. So a lot of times we slip into anxiety about all of this, all these things we're concerned about, Because we're, in effect, leaving God out of the equation. We're leaving his goodness, who he is, out of our thinking. And that's what we're dealing with. So the way to do battle with anxiety is to believe better, to believe better things about God. And so Jesus tells us some things we need to believe. Here are some things you need to believe to overcome anxiety. And when I say that, that sounds a lot simpler than it really is. Because believing these things means not simply saying, oh, yeah, I believe that. And moving on, it's, it's like, no, I've got to really think about this. I've got to believe these things. I've got to savor these truths. I've got to hear these things again and again. I've got to call them to mind. I've got to tell them to myself. I love that in one of the Psalms where it says, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Trust in God. Who's he talking to? himself. That's what we have to do. We have to preach the truth to ourselves again and again and again. So here's some truth to preach to yourself. Whenever you're tempted to worry, call these things to mind. First, God can handle all of your needs. God can handle it. It Is not life more than food, Jesus says? Is not the body more than clothing? In other words, isn't life a much bigger deal than what you're going to eat and wear? Isn't there more to life than just surviving? Well, of course there is. God means for our lives to be about a lot more than just, you know, making a buck and buying the stuff we need to survive. And it's certainly more than worrying about whether we're going to have enough. Now, it's possible that you've always had enough to eat, more than enough to eat, more than enough to wear, so you, maybe you can't relate that well to what Jesus is saying here, but if you've lost your job, or if your hours have been reduced, or your benefits have been cut, or you know, the economy's not so good, particularly in whatever area you're involved in, well, you might very well be tempted to worry about how you're going to provide for your family, how you're going to have enough, And it's all the worse when we're not good at defining what we actually need. You can make anxiety a much, much bigger issue and problem for yourself by thinking you need a lot more than you actually do. So one of the most practical ways to fight worry, to fight anxiety about what we need, is to... Learn to live within our means. That's a very important thing. In fact, Jesus, you know, if you think about the previous section we looked at, lay up treasures in heaven, don't lay up treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and all that. Well, one of the biggest problems is having way more than you need, you've got a lot more to worry about. So figure out how to live within your means. That's huge. And there's great materials for doing that, you know. There's Dave Ramsey stuff and Crown Financial and all kinds of stuff that you can read and think through. But the point Jesus is making here is that when it comes to your needs, your Father in Heaven can handle them. He can handle them. Look at the birds flying around. Have you ever seen a bird worry? I don't even know what that would look like, but... I don't think they do that. But here's the thing, God made those and God takes care of them. Or look at the flowers blooming around you, right? God gave them their beauty. Look at yourself, okay? Don't get depressed. Be impressed. Look at your hands. You know? Think about your eyes and, you know, your your feet and your ears and all of your senses. It's, it's amazing. And God made you. God can sustain life. He does sustain life. You know, our needs aren't hard for God to handle. We can't handle them. We sometimes get deluded into thinking we can, but we can't. And that's why we worry when we think it's all up to us, right? Because we can't make the economy healthy. We can't guarantee ourselves a paycheck. We can't even make food grow. If you think, oh, yeah, I'm just going to plant a garden. You know, you can't make that stuff grow. God does that. And here's the thing. If you belong to Jesus, and for some reason God chooses, contrary to what is typical, what he normally does, if for some reason God in his infinite wisdom chooses not to preserve your body today, Then he will raise your body one day, and he will preserve it forever in his presence. God can handle all of your needs, all of them. You need to know that. But that's not enough. You also need to believe that God actually cares about your needs. I love this about the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus is at such pains to tell us how our Father really thinks about us. Yeah, it's one thing to know God can meet your needs. It's another thing, it's another question to ask, does he want to? Now, here's where we have to make an important choice. We have to decide whose voice we're going to listen to on this. Will we listen to those voices that say, well, no, you're too small, you're too insignificant, or you're too messed up, you're too worthless, you're too ugly for God to care about your needs? Are we going to listen to that voice? Or are we going to listen to Jesus? Who says, yes, absolutely, God cares about your needs? God wants to meet your needs. And Jesus really emphasizes this. He says we can be certain about this, and he gives us some reasons why. First, he says we can be certain God cares about our needs because God cares about the needs of his other creatures, and we are way more valuable than they are. God cares about the birds. Even those cotton-picking crows that... Make all that noise first thing in the morning, God cares about them. He feeds them. He cares about the flowers. He clothes them. Now, if God cares about those things that he created, of course he cares about us and our needs because we are created in his image. Do you understand that, that we're the pinnacle of God's creation? We're the top. Aren't people more valuable than birds and flowers? I know there are a lot of people today who would say, No. But they didn't get that idea from Jesus. Jesus says we are much more valuable to God than flowers and birds and anything else he's made. So we can be certain God cares about our needs. Another, another reason for that is because unlike flowers and grass, which only last a little while, we will last forever because God made us to last forever. So this just makes sense, you know. If God cares about flowers that only last for a little while and glorify him for a little while, how much more is he going to care about us who have that potential to glorify him forever? Doesn't that make sense? Of course it makes sense. Jesus said it. And then a third reason we can be sure God cares about our needs is because He is our Father. He's our Father. Jesus told us to pray, Our Father in heaven. Now, maybe we should just stop right here and ask Can you pray that? Can you pray that? Is God your Father in heaven? Well, he will be if you put your trust in Jesus, if you never have. How do you know? Because he said so. God's word says so. When we put our faith in Jesus, God adopts us into his family. John one twelve. But to all who did receive him, Jesus, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Do you understand, do I really understand the identity we have as believers in Jesus, that we are children of God? He is our Father. Now, dads come in lots of shapes and sizes. But if a father is a good father, he has one thing in common with every other father. He cares about his kids. That is the definition of maybe the most important part of a good father. They care about their kids' needs, and God is the very best father of all. He doesn't have any of those flaws that earthly fathers have. And Jesus wants us to know this. And why does he want us to know this? So we don't worry. We don't worry. God really cares about our needs. Okay, and then one more thing he tells us we need to believe to really do battle with anxiety. You need to believe that God has more important things for you to be concerned about. It, this really struck me when I saw it. And I realized that Jesus is not telling us just not to worry. What he's really saying is, hey, worry about the right things. Don't be all preoccupied with eating and drinking and clothing yourself as if that's what's most important. Don't be preoccupied with that. Instead, be preoccupied with what really is most important. And then trust your Father in heaven to meet your needs. You see that? So Jesus says seek first God's kingdom, seek first. That word first is so significant. You notice Jesus doesn't say, seek God's kingdom. Now, a lot of people seek God's kingdom when it's convenient. A lot of people seek God's kingdom when it doesn't conflict with something else in their agenda. A lot of people seek God's kingdom when it's Sunday morning. But what about seeking God's kingdom first? What does that mean? Well, that means not simply um, you know, seeking it when it con- doesn't conflict with my agenda. That means changing my agenda. That means giving myself to God's priorities all the time, not just Sunday morning or some other you know, spiritual time. That means I'm to pursue his priorities all the time, to, to devote myself to building his church, to devote myself to praying, to devote myself to serving others, to devote myself to spreading the good news of Jesus around the world, and to do that first. Why should you do that? Should you do that? Should you seek God's kingdom first because it's the right thing to do? Well, it absolutely is the right thing to do. I'm not going to argue with that. But it's very interesting. Just as Jesus, okay, so if we go back to the passage right before this, Jesus told us to lay up treasure in heaven, not lay up treasure on earth. Why? Because it's the right thing to do? That's not what he says. He says do it because it's good for you. It's good for you. Earthly treasure doesn't last. Heavenly treasure does. So lay up treasure in heaven because it's good for you. It's in your best interest. It's in the best interest of everybody else. And that's really the same thing he's saying here. Seek God's kingdom first because it's good for you, and Jesus wants what's good for you. Seek God's kingdom first because it's good for everybody around you, and Jesus wants what's good for everybody around you. Seek what's God's kingdom first because... That's what's best for this world, and Jesus wants what's best for this world. It's in our best interest to seek God's kingdom first. See, but that's that's where the battle is. Again, it comes back to believing that Jesus really is concerned about our best interest, that he really has our good at heart, that God really cares about our needs. Otherwise, we'll think, seek God's kingdom first. I don't have time to do that. I gotta do this other stuff. Or if I do that, I'm gonna miss out. Or if I do that... Jesus is saying, get preoccupied with God's concern, and you know what? You'll be far less prone to worry about your other concerns. I, I think, really, in so many ways, being a disciple of Jesus and following him is learning how to stop thinking so much about ourselves and either how rotten we are or how wonderful we are, and stop thinking about ourselves at all and start thinking about Jesus and his concerns. Get preoccupied with God's concerns, you'll be much less prone to be anxious. Seek first his kingdom. And all these other things that seem like such a big deal won't seem like such a big deal. God will take care of them. So Jesus says, trust him, believe in him, put your hope in him, and give yourself to his priorities first. That's not only the right thing to do, it's a huge antidote to anxiety so how do we want to live? You know, Do we want to just be, no, I really like being really anxious about all my stuff. Who wants that? I don't want that. I hope you don't either. Let's bow together and let's pray about it. Now, I just want to say to you, if you're, you're just a person who's prone to be anxious and worry, I get that. I know exactly what that feels like, and it's miserable. And Jesus isn't telling you this to make you feel worse. He's telling you this to help you find the way to greater peace, to greater joy. Understand where the battle is. It's where, in our heart of hearts, it's what we believe about God. So I just want to ask you, give you a moment today to pray and to talk to the Lord about this. And if, and if you've been preoccupied with your own stuff, ask him to help you believe what he's saying to you about who he is, about who you are, and uh, ask him to help you. Make a priority out of his kingdom and his righteousness. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm just, I'm really excited to know that you don't want me to worry, not because it bugs you when I worry, but because you love me and you don't want me to to live like that and you love this world and you don't want those who know you to be sending the wrong message that being a Christian doesn't make a difference Lord help us really trust you help us hear these truths that you're telling us that our father in heaven can handle it and he He knows all of our needs, and he wants to meet our needs. And so he wants us to be concerned with your kingdom above all things. Lord, help us understand what that means. Help us be an encouragement to one another to think the right, the good things about you that we should. And set us free. Set us free from being preoccupied with our needs. Help us be preoccupied with Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.